So uh, the uh, sermon title is, or the question that we want to start with is, uh, what then shall we wear uh, color-wise, and the question why related to that as well. Uh, Well, you know, that's a question we address ourselves every day. What shall I wear for today? And we, of course, answer that question every day as well. We, of course, did that uh, this morning uh, before coming to church here. Uh, We asked that question and addressed that question. Uh, Judy is constantly asking me my feedback in terms of something that she might wear, uh, different accessories, or whether it should be this outfit or it should be that outfit. And not that long ago, recently, she asked me that question, and I gave her a response, and it really was a right response. And she uh, responded back to me saying, uh, Harry, you are becoming an expert in fashion. Uh, well, not so, uh, not me, clearly not me. But the challenge that Judy has is we are empty nesters on this, and uh, I'm the only one around. And I'm the only one that she can ask that uh, question. But she didn't realize this, but it was almost like a prophetic word to me, like a mini prophetic word, in the sense that... Uh, The 90 minutes before, uh, this was in the evening, she was trying on these different outfits, but the 90 minutes before, I had been looking in the book of Revelation and uh, looking at this matter of clothes and how should we dress ourselves. And so I literally come out of the den, uh, she's uh, trying these different accessories on, and she asked me this question, And then I respond, and then she says, "Uh, Harry, uh, you are becoming an expert fashion. And it was kind of like a mini prophetic moment because uh, there was 90 minutes there of engagement around this very topic, but obviously from a spiritual and in a figurative sense. So speaking figuratively and spiritually, what then shall we wear color-wise? Uh, every so often, I look at the Zoomer magazine online. Zoomer magazine is a magazine for those who are 45 years of age and older, kind of a takeoff of boomers, the boomers that are zooming along in life. And, uh, uh, but they had a list of 12 must-reads for your holiday reading. And there was a good list of uh, 12 different books. Not, not all on the list would be that uh, books that I would necessarily look at. Uh, there was one that was actually listed number one as a story about vampires. And if you know anything about me, that's probably not where I'm going to be reading. But uh, when I saw the list, must-reads through the Christmas season, and certainly in the New Year as well, uh, one of my must-reads at Christmas time in the New Year's is to read the book of Revelation. So, of course, they didn't ask me what I would put on the list, but I, I would have said, well, the book of Revelation from the New Testament, and not only the book of Revelation, but a commentary as well. So I read through Revelation in December again, and I read again a commentary. And I reread now for the third time, because in my judgment, is one of the best commentaries out there on, on this very book uh, by Gordon Fee, who taught for many years at Regent College in uh, British Columbia. My observation in the book of Revelation, I picked it up before, and I've actually communicated it from this pulpit before, more in passing. But there is a dominant color in Revelation. Uh, We see that color white. It is white. We see it when a son of man in Revelation chapter 1, his hair is white white as snow. Uh, We are introduced to it in uh, Revelation chapter 4 with the 24 elders. They're all dressed in white. 
Uh, when we are introduced to the martyrs in Revelation chapter 6, they are all given white robes to wear. Uh, not only just clothes as well, but even as we get to the end of the book and we look at the judgment that comes, there is the great white throne in heaven. When you look at the great battle, there is a white horse that comes in. Jesus comes in on a white horse. And not only him, but this huge army behind him. Everyone is on a white horse. And not only are they white horses, but uh, when you think in terms of military, don't think in terms of green. They are all dressed in fine white linen, crisp white clothes as they come in in this military campaign. And then beyond that, all the inhabitants by and large, I think all of them actually, constantly dressed, always dressed in white. You know, the Muppets got this very right. I watched the show, uh, the movie, A Very Merry Muppet Christmas, uh, two or three weeks ago with my granddaughters. And it's a story about the Muppets, and they're about to lose their theater at Christmas time because of a land developer. And Kermit the Frog is in all kinds of trouble uh, related to this. Uh, but then they have a heavenly scene where the angels in heaven become, angelic beings become aware of this, And as they're looking down, uh, they decide to get engaged with this. But as we have that heavenly scene, as represented by the Muppets, no less, it's all white. Everyone is dressed in white. The walls are white. The the, the ground is white. Everything is white in that very movie, in that heavenly scene. So figuratively speaking, uh, spiritually speaking, what then shall we wear And at least from Revelation, white seems to be the answer. So where we're going with this message, the invitation for you today, and ongoing really, is to be thinking white. Uh, To think white. Uh, Spiritually, to think white in a number of different ways. And that would not be foreign to us to be thinking color. When we say think green, we can think at least a couple of different ways. But one of the things that when we say think green, it means think about the environment. Think white. There's this impression, I think, that was intended when the book of Revelation was written. And we don't pick it up. Because we kind of read Revelation chapter 1 here, maybe chapter 5 here. But for the early church, most of the people in the early church were not readers. Only about 15% of people could read. And nor would they have necessarily books to read. So the book of Revelation, when it was presented to those seven churches in Asia Minor... It was read from the beginning right through to the end. And they listened to it. And as they listened to it, they would have been, I think, impacted in different ways by how dominant the color white is in the book of Revelation. And so it's just as we might think green about the environment, they might have been quite inclined to think white about spirituality and thinking about life and the implications of what it means to think white. Think white is where we're going. Think white individually, that you would be dressed in white individually. And also think white in terms of all of us dressed collectively as a group of people. You know, it's interesting. There are things that are happening in society and events that are happening, actually movements that are happening, where people are dressing exclusively in white. As I looked online on this, and I didn't anticipate finding this, I accidentally sort of stumbled upon this. 
there is an event and actually in a movement that started about 30 years ago entitled Dinner in White. It started in France and uh, then it uh, multiplied into all kinds of cities around the world. So in New York this last year, there were 5,000 people that gathered together in a park for fine dining and then also music that followed afterwards as well. And to attend, they obviously had to have a ticket and and there were 5,000 people there, but there were another 45,000 people that wanted to be there but couldn't, couldn't get a ticket. So 5,000 people were there, but to be there you had to have a ticket, but also you had to be fully dressed in white. White socks, white shoes, white pants, no beige, no off-white. It had to be totally white. Now, I was conveying that to staff here two or three weeks ago in a staff setting, and And Pastor Kevin made mention of the fact that what Vancouver does the same sort of thing now. Sure enough, I looked online and Vancouver has their own dinner in white or dinner en blanc event that happens. And to be there, you've got to be dressed fully and completely in white. Now, they don't do it for any spiritual reasons that I'm aware of, but it's more, I think, if I... What I picked up on, on online is to create an evening that is kind of magical and different as everyone dresses in white as a group of people. Came across this other event that happens in the world. It's a musical dance group known as Sensation. They have crowds of up to 10,000 people. I think they originated out of Amsterdam. Again, you've got to have a ticket to be there, but then there, you've got to be fully dressed in white. When you look online and they talk about this, it says... When it comes to choosing your outfit for sensation, remember, white is white. So, no beige, regardless of shade. And then they have this line. It says, please note that if you are not dressed in white, you will not be admitted to the event area, not even with a valid ticket. The main reason, again, no spiritual reason that I would pick up there but largely to create kind of a magical evening. So think white. Revelation was into this 1,900 years ago already. Uh, And as we look at this, I invite you to be putting on your imagination because the book of Revelation really appeals to the right side of the brain. It's a book that calls for imagination. It's a book that calls for picturing what's, what's there in front of you, it's a book that calls for picturing the, these white images in this book, but then equally the implications for us today as well in terms of thinking white. So, what's the color of heaven? The color of heaven, the color to choose is white, but here are the reasons, three reasons. Number one, and I would say this is the dominant one in Revelation, and it's a hard-driving one in Revelation, and I started off by saying we are exhorted. Initially, I had put down, we are called. And then when I looked at that word called and considered it, it's too soft. Uh, There is something more urgent, more intense with the word exhorted. And we are exhorted in the book of Revelation to live righteous lives. And that is pictured by the image of white. Now, the inclination when we think about white in the book of Revelation may well be to think that this is just strictly a thing in heaven. Everyone in heaven is dressed in white. That doesn't necessarily have implications for us. Not so. The exhortation comes through in the letters that were written to the seven churches in Asia Minor. So, there were seven letters 
Revelation chapter 2 and 3, with two of those letters addressed specifically about being dressed in white, in the here and now, not just in heaven, but there's a sense in which people in the here and now are being invited to be part of what's happening there in the heavenly realms as well. So, and those two churches, whatever is said to any one specific church or those two churches, that same message is intended for all of the seven churches. So you get this line that happens with all the seven churches. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So that message is intended for all of them. And of course, we come with the conviction, those of us who embrace the Bible as the Word of God, that not only was it intended for those seven churches, but it's equally intended for us today as well. So we'll, we'll share four passages of Scripture for, with you from Revelation. In your uh, song sheets, there is a sermon outline uh, that you could look at, and the Scriptures are listed there. Very first one is Revelation 3.18. Church of Laodicea. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear. So there's the imagery that's picked up there. This is Jesus who is speaking to these seven churches. So just when the Advent season, we talked about Jesus, the wonderful counselor out of the book of Isaiah. So here is Jesus now, 95 years later in terms of the timeline from the Incarnation to the writing of the book of Revelation. And we have this counsel from Jesus Christ himself that we would buy white clothes to wear. Revelation 3.5 as well, the church at Sardis. The one who is victorious. And book of Revelation is very much a book about discipleship. It's a book about overcoming. It's a book about being victorious in life. Uh, dealing with the challenges that come, especially in the context of the first century church. The one who's victorious will, like them, be, will be dressed in white. Uh, and again, so this isn't, this isn't ref- referencing people in heaven. This is referencing people in the here and now. We go to Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 and 8. It doesn't use the word white here, but I think we could understand it here. And it is quite explicit in terms of the exhortation. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, and I think we would imply out of that white clothes, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. So the exhortation, the exhortation to wear white clothes... The exhortation here is to live righteous, holy, godly lives and to put on white clothes representing that, reflecting that as we live in a society that uh, would not necessarily always embrace this. This is a big deal in the book of Revelation. For in Revelation, one of the big issues is the whole matter of compromise. So in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, these letters to these seven churches, five of these churches are rebuked. And they are rebuked because they are in the world of compromise. And in the midst of that, this book is written to challenge that. And to say, you shall be overcomers, you shall be victorious, even in the context of potential persecution. And part of this includes godly, holy, righteous, living and that is 
demonstrated in our lives where we, with intentionality, choose when we get up in the morning, spiritually and figuratively, we will be dressed in white. And when the temptation may come our way on a financial matter, a temptation may come our way on a matter of integrity, a temptation may come our way in matter of a sexual or a sexual matter, whatever the temptation may come, the choice is we will make white clothes decisions here and we'll live godly, holy, righteous lives before God and before humanity. And that's part of what it means to be living victoriously and to overcome as reflected in this very book right here. Revelation is a book on what it means to be true to God. Revelation is a book on discipleship. It's interesting that uh, the number seven is really important in the book of Revelation. It's a number of perfection. It's a number of completion in different ways. And the number seven is used. You've got seven churches and other groupings of seven as well. But one of the groupings is that there are seven Beatitudes that are in the book of Revelation. Probably that number with intentionality. So there's the full blessing of God reflected through these seven different Beatitudes here. The very last one is in Revelation chapter 22, verses 14 and 15. It is the last chapter of the Bible, of the book of Revelation. But it picks up on this imagery of clothes again. It doesn't pick up on white, but it does say, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. And the assumption here would be that it would be white robes that we are wearing. And we would understand, given the context of this verse, even especially in the verse, the line that follows here, the exhortation is, put on white clothes. In other words, don't live like the world around you. Let's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Put on white clothes and live holy, godly, righteous lives in the world around you. I'm going back to Revelation 22, verse 15. Uh, we're uncomfortable with the language, but outside are the, are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. In other words, what, what is being said here is don't be like that. Be quite different in terms of your lifestyle. So meaning number one, we are exhorted to live righteous lives. And of course, you know as well as I do, this, there, there's no holier-than-thou intended here. Uh, we, are, we, out of our brokenness, uh, all of our flaws, uh, we want to live this as best as we can in a, great, in a spirit of humility before God and before humanity. But we are exhorted to live righteous lives. Number two, we are reminded that righteous living begins with the gift of righteousness. Endeavoring to live a righteous life has a foundation to it. More than that, it has a compelling energy that flows forth from that foundation. And that foundation is nothing other than the gift of righteousness that is provided to us. I'm going to pick up on Revelation chapter 7, verse 13 that would suggest that. Uh, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation, the great time of suffering. They have washed their robes and made them white 
in the blood of the Lamb. Now, if you're listening carefully to that, uh, I mean, there's an oddity here. There's a little bit of a disconnect here. You've got these robes. They've been washed. They've been washed in red blood, but they come out white. Uh, much, uh, but such is the gospel, the message of forgiveness, and the message of righteousness that is reflected uh, through this verse, but most importantly, uh, through the book of Romans and in other places in the New Testament as well. Uh, beginning next Sunday, we will start to look at the book of Romans, and we will be in the book of Romans in terms of the preaching schedule here for a number of weeks and indeed a number of months. In the book of Romans, there are two key gifts, at least two gifts that are talked about. Uh, the first one would be the gift of eternal life, but the other one is the gift of righteousness. And actually, that gift of righteousness is profiled in a number of different ways uh, through that very book. Uh, the gift of righteousness, if we can understand the gift of righteousness, which is kind of a central theme and thought through the book of uh, Romans, it will give us that energy and it will give us that momentum and it will give us that foundation for what was identified in number one, that we would live righteous lives. It's actually the beginning point. I put it here as number two, but it's actually number one in terms of living the Christian life. Understanding, appreciating, taking hold of this phenomenal gift, the gift of righteousness. Uh, I want to read from Romans chapter 5, 15, 16, and 17. These are verses that I uh, camped out with uh, quite a bit, maybe about 15 years ago. And actually, this whole chapter around this. And um, uh, my, <laughs> my, my sense is most, most of us don't have a lot of time to camp out in the book of Romans. And there are all kinds of rich nuggets here that are just simply missed by the people of God. Here's a nugget, these three verses here. It's a little bit challenging to follow along because it's a contrast between Adam and his sin and then the provision that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, but Paul uses the word gift five times in these three verses. And he's talking about the gift of righteousness. And then he will end this little uh, three verses right here by saying, how much more have those, those who have the grace of God and the, and the gift of righteousness, how much more will they reign in this life through the one man, Jesus Christ? And uh, I mean, the potential in this, this idea of the gift of righteousness is that it translates into a spirit of reigning in this very life. So let me read the verses here uh, to you. And this all connects back with this idea of white we're reminded when we, when we know and we image, we image ourselves as being dressed in white. And, and the, the bottom line for me is sometimes it's good for me because of this image in, in the book of Revelation to pause. And, and, and especially if I'm sort of beating myself up in terms of my waywardness or my negative thoughts or my sinful thoughts or sinful actions, to be reminded that in Christ I'm righteous. To be reminded in Christ that Christ clothes me, in a sense, in a white garment, and that I have this gift of righteousness. So, but let me read these verses right here. But the gift, the gift, is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift, and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? 
Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness, how much more will they reign in light through the one man, Jesus Christ? And that's part of what's being imaged in the book of Revelation, this passage that we cited earlier here from Revelation chapter 7, that we have the gift of righteousness. And then consistent with the theme of Revelation that we reign, we overcome, we pick up on that imagery as well. The call to live pure and righteous lives grows out of the gift of righteousness. God indicates that we are right with him and we, in a sense, then reign with him. And with that, then, he exhorts us to live rightly for him. That sense of that imperative grows out of this, in, that which is indi- indicated by God. And both are symbolized by this invitation to dress in white. Uh, I don't know how many of you get the Star of Phoenix, but there was an article in the Star of Phoenix yesterday that was quite interesting. Uh, people are looking at the possibility of a moral pill. Uh, which would enhance the past capacity of humans to become more sensitive, compassionate, kind, and the bottom line, and that's the language they use, a moral pill, that they would be more morally, uh, I guess, upright in society in different ways. And I don't know what will come of that. It was quite interesting to read that, so someone could take a pill and it'll somehow have a bearing on, I guess, their chemicals in their brain and they will be more sensitive and compassionate and maybe more moral because of that. Uh, that may be the case, but the gift of righteousness is ultimately the foundation for all moral living and godly living. And the more we understand that gift of righteousness, the more it becomes the impulse and the energy for appropriate and godly living. You know, we are now year 500 from the Reformation uh, Martin Luther, 500 years ago, uh, nailed on those 95 theses on that church door in uh, Germany. And, um, and the big thing in Martin Luther's life was the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, and his understanding of the gift of righteousness. Uh, the crisis of his life was that he was stuck on point number one that I related here earlier, that we're exhorted to live righteous lives. And, and, that, was, that, and that is right. But he was exclusively stuck on point number one. And it wasn't until he was working through Galatians and he was working through Romans, he discovered this gift of righteousness, woke up to it, and waking up to that truth is a big part of why the Reformation happened. The gift of righteousness. Um, as we work through the book of Romans here in the next number of months, may there be an ongoing awakening to the gift of righteousness for each and every one of us. And that becomes the foundation and it becomes the momentum to point number one, that we would live righteous lives. Uh, number three, and this will be the final one. Uh, we are on this journey together now and for eternity. And of course, the common color can signal oneness, unity, certainly can uh, signal a common bond. So, you know, earlier I said, think green, well, think environment, but we're in Saskatchewan. What else does think green mean? Well, it means the Rough Riders, right? Think green. 
So, so that's the illustration. I mean, you go to a Rough Rider game and everyone's dressed and decked out in green and there is a common purpose there and there's an energy there. There is a togetherness. There is everyone's dressed in green. There's nothing new about that. That's what Revelation is intending to say in part as well. That everyone is dressed in white and there's a spiritual energy, the righteousness of Christ and also the, then the implications for the people of God to live a life of righteousness as well. So, Revelation 7, 9. Here it is. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Everyone in heaven is dressed in white, And everyone on earth, in a sense, is invited to join the party as well. And the significance of that is just like in a Rough Rider game, the sense of togetherness that is there, the tidal wave of unity that is there, and the energy that is there, uh, equally as people of God think of themselves as clothed in white, uh, the intent is that there's an energy and a togetherness that is equally implied as as well. So... What shall we then wear? Uh, the exhortation of the explicit one in Revelation 3.18 to the church of Laodicea. Jesus, the counselor, speaking, I counsel you to buy from me white clothes to wear. Why? We are called and exhorted to live pure and righteous lives. We are reminded that righteous living begins with the gift of righteousness, and we are on this journey together. Uh, White is the uniform that we wear. So the balance of the service. Here's an invitation for you to consider. Imagination is part and parcel of the book of Revelation. Uh, Would you imagine and consider uh, as we sing these songs, first of all, that you are dressed in white, This is figurative, obviously, but to represent the righteousness of Christ in your life. And not only that, but occasionally would you look around and see that everyone else is dressed in white as well, uh, as reflected in the book of Revelation, um, representing the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then with the anticipation that when we leave this place and we go into the world, uh, that we reflect the righteousness of Christ into the world in which we live. Uh, We obviously may not be dressed up all in white, but we are representing that as we go into our respective, uh, into our community. So let's continue with our worship experience.